Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts, Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild ride around the world of sports. Welcome to another lockdown edition of uh, Masala PTI Boys and Girls. I'm here with uh, my co-host Ravi. This is Aravind. We are going to spend some time talking about uh, some of the usual stuff uh, we have been talking about over the last two months, specifically around when sports will come back. But then uh, Ravi and I also want to uh, get deeper into the old NFL odds for the 2020 season uh, because that's that's probably one of the more interesting topics this uh, you know given all the all that we are going through right now um, how are you doing Ravi yeah just the same Arvind it feels like we are all becoming uh, used to this uh, clamp down lifestyle where it has almost become the new normal now I'm more worried about how things will be once we turn around <laughs> yes yes and the good news uh, there is things are starting to open up uh, hopefully we don't have a lot of you know second wave third wave type of situation for the virus itself but clearly things are moving more in the positive direction especially on the sports front Ravi and uh, I think uh, uh, we have been a little bit pessimistic about the sports scene changing uh, to the for the better in the last two episodes right now at least i i know I, I i was probably the more pessimistic of the two of us but now uh, even i am turning around so let's start with what we think uh, is going to happen especially with the major leagues uh, major league baseball and nba coming back where i am right now ravi is i am li- feeling a little bit more confident that they're going to kind of resurrect uh, NBA as well as start MLB at some point. Though MLB for some reason has uh, put itself in a very uh, weird situation with contract negotiation and money conversations, which which is kind of weird at this time of, uh, you know, where we are right now. But at least uh, they want to get started. Uh, spring training next month uh, and probably games starting early July. As far as the NBA goes, I think they will be right behind Ravi. Uh, They may start maybe second week of June or something as far as some form of training goes and then they may start playing middle of July. Uh, That's my latest uh, dates for those two leagues. What what have you heard and what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on the Major League Baseball timeline, Arvind, on the NBA. Uh, I must confess that I was a little out of touch the last week or so on what has been happening. Uh, and until uh, obviously prior to today's show, you apprised me of how the stars have aligned, literally speaking, and uh, they have decided that there will be a league or there will be a season. So right. uh, I guess in that sense, yeah, the basketball season uh, being uh, kind of compressed in a shorter time frame seems like a whole lot of excitement. In a in a very short time frame, so I'm actually really happy about it. Yes, and I think the uh, bigger change is essentially leagues getting comfortable with this idea that if someone tests positive, which probably is going to happen, right? There's a very high likelihood in any of these leagues someone is going to test positive. They all come to the 
understanding that they don't have to shut the whole operation down. You know, they did that when Rudy Gobert tested positive in March, right? And that's totally understandable. We were all new to this and nobody knew what, what was going on. Now, uh, it's two months down the road. Uh, by the time they start playing, it will be four months, uh, probably. And then, uh, you know, we have better understanding of everything from fatality rates and whatnot, right? Plus, these athletes are young. So I think they're just going to go ahead. If somebody tests positive, they will be quarantined for like two, three weeks. And then the rest of the league will go on. And I think last weekend, Ravi, the UFC coming back and, you know, that guy, Dana White, I think he's crazy. But anyway, he made it happen, right? He brought the league back without fans, but it happened. And, you know, in a weird way, I was thinking when one of the fighters tested positive, uh, probably the commissioners of the other leagues were just glued to the TV, wondering what's going to happen. Of course, Dana White went ahead and everything seems to be okay so far. So now that becomes the template for these other leagues, right? Because uh, nobody wants to be the first person to uh, take these kinds of decisions and, you know, give him credit, give the devil its due, I guess. Dana White is just forging ahead and he got the positive test. He didn't care. He just canceled that fight. For You know, to be fair, it turned out to be an undercard. So he went ahead with his main event and the other fights. And that now becomes the model for these other leagues, Ravi. And I think they'll just forge ahead because there's just too much money to be lost. Agreed. And you're right. I think the uh, you have to give the devil its due. And in this case, UFC and Dana White deserve credit for being the first one to kind of venture forward. And right. for anyone, anyone that is saying that... Uh, he was in a win-win proposition because what's the worst that could have happened? Uh, you know, that literally hasn't been a precedence to something like this. So anything that you that you do, if it fails, then you can always say that at least I tried. And to me, that's kind of a nonsensical argument. In this case, the stakes were, you know, or rather the fear of failure or, uh, you know, people, as you said, the other commissioners, plus a bunch of other people in pretty high, important positions are probably observing this with a very close microscope on how things pan out. Uh, so the amount of pressure must have been tremendous. Plus, as you said, when they found someone positive, the fact that they were able to kind of maneuver around it showed some pretty fleet-footedness. So I think uh, credit to them. And most importantly, it also then gives us all as a community the sense, the clear realization that this is not a one-off event. People will fall sick again with COVID. With, you know, so one, it's, it's not that one has to therefore go and meet everyone tomorrow. It's right, right. That you have to have kind of, you have to have a, a way around process rather than a way avoid uh, process around uh, in, in, in this case. Exactly. Agreed. I think, um, Two interesting questions did come to my mind, Ravi, though. One is, what if uh, even Dana White had kind of freaked out when he got the positive test and cancelled? I think that would have set back these other leagues. I think at that point, I would have pretty much closed the books on NBA coming back this season. Right. Right? And the other thing now, if they do come back, again, none of this is guaranteed. Uh, many things can still go wrong. Uh, the main one, Ravi, is how are they going to get these tests? Because even today, I saw MLB saying that they want to test these people like multiple times a week, apparently. 
that is taking away a lot of tests from common people. And that's mm-hmm. the optics of that is, I don't know what they're going to do. So that's the other big fear, right? But let's assume we just forge ahead somehow. Uh, what happens if somebody like LeBron or Giannis tests positive? That's going to be the real bad thing because their fans are going to be devastated, right? Yes. And I think that harks back to a conversation on this that I think we had on this podcast uh, uh, two uh, two podcasts ago, two episodes ago, where we talked about the same thing, that much of this uh, has a has a perception effect or an optical effect, as you as you rightly said. Which is, if it succeeds, if things succeed, you would still have invested so much infrastructure, whether it be the testing equipment, the logistics that are required to enable that and all of it. So therefore, the larger you know set of people have the argument that, hey, listen, there are like 50 million people who would do with these tests and don't have them. And here you are to run this kind of uh, quite optional exactly right yeah yeah. and uh, you are prioritizing that so to me that's that that is true i don't have an answer to it but i completely share your concern regarding that being more of an issue versus say a lebron or a yanis getting uh tested as positive because i think people do recover it's more around the fallback of it Yes, the second question about LeBron review was more about just how it affects the game itself and their fans are going to be disappointed. And also the players, let's say the symptoms are non-existent and they're going to be so frustrated that they can actually play, but they won't be allowed to, right? That's the interesting part of this virus is it's so different from injuries, right? In the injuries, you're allowed to hang out with the team and come to the games, but you just can't play. Here, it may be the opposite. You may be actually perfectly fine physically to play, but you are just contagious and you are not allowed anywhere near the stadium. I just thought that would be an interesting situation. But as far as your testing comment goes, that's really the big challenge, right? Especially for NBA, which uh, markets itself as this, quote-unquote, the woke league, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's say there's another wave in some parts of the country and then nurses and doctors are not able to get tests and we are testing freaking you know alex caruso like twice a week for no reason the optics of that is actually pretty bad so that's where ramona shelburne on espn was saying that they're kicking around ideas like you know just make it look a little better like lakers will buy hundred thousand tests and then donate fifty thousand to the LA County or something like hmm, that. Interesting. interesting. I, th- I thought that was interesting. Uh, that may work with the optics of it a little bit. I agreed, um, and I think uh, that that's a master stroke <laughs> if they if they you know if they pull it off. But yeah, that makes sense. Exactly, and but you know, longer term, I also come to this conclusion, Ravi. Even beyond sports, right? The way I see this working is if we at least don't get wave after wave. Let's say nothing changes from today in terms of, uh, uh, you know, just therapeutics or anything. But at the same time, we are not being overwhelmed by cases. The way I see this working is, you know, just like we say time heals everything. You know, we use that usually with death and tragedies like that. I think it's true for everything, including your fear around pandemics, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like we are just going to get used to this. Uh, four months from now, even if the situation is the same, your behavior and my behavior and everybody's behavior is going to change. We are just going to accept this as the new normal. 
go on with the life, right? That's why I always start. NFL had a better chance of coming back just because of the timeline, right? It's they need they don't have to deal with this until early September or something. NBA was in the toughest situation from that perspective. But even if NBA can pull this off, Ravi, then we are really in a good spot as far as NFL and fantasy football and all of that go down the road. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> in fact, every new event, and it need not only be a sporting event, but anything that requires a mass population to get together, not, I mean, I'm not just saying in person, but as a viewing spectacle, if it succeeds, it sets a positive template for the next one. And exactly. when we are talking about the NBA taking a leaf out of you know, a massive leap uh, f- uh, from uh, from uh, the UFC uh, example, I think the NFL will gain even more from the NBA potentially happening and happening successfully. Exactly. Anyway, uh, speaking of the NFL, maybe we should uh, transition to discuss some of these odds, which I think both you and I thought were uh, interesting. What do you say? Absolutely, Arvind. I mean, again, similar to my earlier comment about my uh, being late to the game in terms of the NBA season starting, NFL odds is another topic where I'm playing catch-up, but I did happen to see some really interesting odds and would love to talk about it. Right, right. Um, So, as you might expect, um, Kansas City Chiefs is the favorite to win it all at like four is to one. what do you think about that? Is, do you think that's too high, too low? I feel like they probably should have a better shot than even 4-1. to one. That was my first reaction when I saw that. What do you think? Or is it just too hard to repeat in, in the NFL? No, I think as a conservative better, right, which I personally am, when mm-hmm. I look at, a, at, at the current uh, Super Bowl champion uh, who has had literally no erosion of talent at the core level, and has seen most of its divisional and conference opponents weaken a little bit, right? Due to retirements, trades, free agency, etc. Mm-hmm. A four is to one odd, I feel, is too high. In the sense, what I mean is they are getting less respect than I would uh, from a Vegas perspective. And so, therefore, mm-hmm. I would put money on the KC Chiefs repeating because they, again, we saw this last year as well that they barely broke a sweat in most of their games, including some in the playoffs. So, to me, true, they, true. they seem as healthy a favorite to repeat as any NFL team in the last 20 years. And yes, that includes obviously the greatest franchise of all time, the New England Patriots. Yes, that's what I, I. That was my reaction too. That they could be even uh, better than four to one. The other interesting thing was the second, uh, at least in this side, I'm looking at uh, VegasInsider.com. The next team is not an NFC team, but it's also an AFC team, which is Baltimore Ravens at thirteen to two. But then the next one, two, three, four, five, six. The next seven teams are NFC. So it's mm. Kansas City Chiefs, Ravens, uh, 49ers, Saints, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Seahawks, Eagles, and Packers. Isn't that amazing? Two AFC and then followed by like seven of these NFC teams almost bunched together between uh, Niners at 7-1 to one 
and Packers at around 22, 18 to 1, actually. So, specifically, what do you think about the current NFC champions, Niners at 7 to 1? I I personally feel like uh, I don't trust losing Super Bowl teams. They always seem to have some problem next year. So, I don't know why. I can't even explain to you why that is, but I just don't feel great about the Niners this year. But then, uh, where do you think the Bucks stand here with the whole Tom Brady hype? They seem to be at 12 to 1 and almost in the top six. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll address the Bucks question first. And I've admittedly forgotten what I had uh, you know, opined versus what you had said regarding the Brady move to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, So, therefore, I may end up contradicting myself. But I think the Bucks are given, being given too much uh, respect here because of Brady's uh, arrival. Uh, to see them in the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, top 6 of you know, uh, the favourites to win the whole thing, uh, to me, feels nonsensical. Speaking of the 49ers, I'm totally with you uh, that uh, there are two issues that stand out as red flags to me. One is, you're right, I also have the same worry about the returning Super Bowl loser Mm -hmm. during the following year. For whatever reason, that has never been uh, a good follow-up season story for uh, teams that uh, lose a particular year's Super Bowl. And the second issue I have with the Niners is I also feel... Coaching, especially defensively in the NFL, is at a very high level, wherein teams take a stock of innovative offenses during the offseason and adapt accordingly. So we saw this with uh, the St. Louis, or sorry, the Los Angeles Rams two years ago, <laughs> where they came out of nowhere. Actually, they had a good two year run where they were one of the most innovative offenses, uh, and their coach was basically the darling of the entire league. And we saw last year that most of those things weren't working. And to the point where I feel they are in shambles with the departure and, I mean, intentional departure of Gurley and Cooks and all of them. And I see something similar happening with the 49ers where you could not stop their running game last year. Right. Uh, right. They, Shanahan was able to find some way of getting that entire laundry list of running backs going. And again, I do feel that uh, the summer provides ample time for defensive coaches in the league uh, to figure out uh, schemes and uh, plays uh, to put a stop to some of those uh, innovative offensive yes. schemes. And we that's saw this with Shanahan with, in Atlanta as well. Sorry. That's a great uh, uh, point you make because the whole adjustment where they try to figure out his offense, that's going to happen. Uh, but the Rams are like the nightmare scenario, right? If you're the Niners uh, fan, because they went from Super Bowl loser to missing the playoffs altogether. And we have seen that so often. The only difference, Ravi, I think is these guys have managed the contract and the you know off-season much better than the Rams have. You know, That's right. right? Rams have That's been right. a mess, basically. And even... Uh, Sean McQuay's genius is being questioned now, which I can see that happening to Kyle Shanahan a year from now too. But at least the off-season and the contract stuff, I think they've done a fantastic job of managing that. That They wouldn't even pay DeForest Buckner and just uh, got picks for him and replaced him with the rookie and all of that. They seem to be doing well, but I agree uh, with you that 
I, I don't feel comfortable with the seven to one. What do you think about the Saints being the second best NFC team according to these odds and uh, Cowboys being the third? I, I'm com- perfectly comfortable with Saints there. But then again, reading out the order, it's Saints, Cowboys, Bucks, Seahawks. Um, I agree with you that the Bucks probably shouldn't be there, but it's also the toughest one for the odds makers, right? With so yeah, many yeah. things happening. Um, but I do like the Saints being where they are. Um, but I feel like Seahawks probably, there could be an argument made for the Seahawks to be higher. That's my... Uh, you know, so I was just going to say that, that uh, in, and again, I'll break my response into two parts. One is, uh, to me, between those two, the Saints and the Cowboys, what makes no sense to me is the Cowboys being this high. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, uh, I fail to see the basis for it other than the fact that, again, their front four on, in the defensive line and offensive line is, I know, uh, their their asset. But still, we've seen nothing from the Cowboys to suggest that, again, they would be the fifth highest favorite to win the whole thing next year. And to me, the, the team that is being completely disrespected here is the Seahawks. Um, and whether whether it be in comparison with where the Cowboys have been uh, rated or even the Saints. I think the Saints deserve what they get primarily because they are coming back with basically the same team. But uh, to me, that holds true for the Seahawks as well. And this also kind of in some way tallies with the other interesting anecdote I read yesterday that Russell Wilson has never received even a single vote for MVP across wow. his uh, career. He's wow. never gotten even one vote. And if you and as you can imagine, if you look at who all have received votes, mm-hmm. uh, it is mind-boggling that Wilson has never, ever received even a single vote. He should have this year, right? He sh- I'm surprised nobody voted for him this year. At least. Yeah, yeah. Last, yeah. In fact, this year, just as a point of comparison, our beloved uh, Kyler uh, uh, Murray got two votes compared, wow. uh, compared to zero for Russell Wilson. Wow, that's a good. Uh, I didn't know that actually, but I did see another Russell Wilson uh, news that surprised me too. That uh, did you see that the Seahawks were apparently ready to trade him two years back to Cleveland for their uh, top pick or something? That I had no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know how true that is, but this this made the rounds in at least social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, glad we are uh, 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 agreeing on the Seahawks. Then the other interesting thing, Ravi, is that 10 is the other tough team to uh, scout right now, which is the Patriots without Brady, right? They are sitting yeah. there at 20 to 1. Uh, I look at that and I'm glad I'm not an odds maker. I wouldn't even know where to put them at this point. Yeah, I'm looking at that entire middle of the pack and I'll start actually with the Green Bay Packers right down to obviously Patriots, Bills, Colts, Steelers, Chargers, Vikings, Rams. I mean, frankly, to me, Rams and Raiders have no, and Raiders have no business being there. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I look at that and compare it with the fact that the Titans in the playoffs made enough of a buzz that I feel they should be above all of these teams that I have just named. Wow, that's amazing! Sorry, go ahead. Because I had the, I had this. I was going to bring them up too. Okay, go ahead. It makes no sense that you have, uh, you know, all of these teams which are being, I feel, uh, rated purely on reputation, and I would right. include the Packers there. 
packers look very vulnerable for most of last year i do not believe in their new coach's philosophy is basically a putting something which uh, which is the exact antithesis of the talent they have and secondly no offense but i think he's just pissing aaron rodgers off right right i i totally agree with your uh, reputation comment especially with like steelers and these teams being above titans right so i was going to say titans at 35 to 1 is looking very appetizing to me yeah and uh, honestly it's not even a very original thought because i have heard this in many many shows people talking about that so we are in uh, sync with a lot of people there maybe the uh, the odds will change if everybody is thinking that way the other yeah. one ravi i was going to say was even the vikings i think is a little lower than i would have expected not that yeah. i'm a big fan of uh, the coach or the quarterback but they are decent that's right and that's what i was going to say that in that middle uh, group mm-hmm. you know you might as well go pitch your dollar Uh, on the team that is that has higher odds right uh, because frankly i feel there is little to choose between them uh, you're right so so you know so so the vikings the titans these are all teams which you know i think as a better provide more of a proverbial bang for the buck and uh, hey you know what i know now it's a getting to pipe dream conversation but to me i'd rather put the cardinals above some of those teams the raiders and the rams have no business being above the cardinals i feel you think so see the raiders have had a good uh, draft and all that or at least i don't know how good it was but i think it was decent yes the question i don't have an answer to ravi is why are they ahead of the titans raiders are 30 to 1 titans are 35 to 1 especially given raiders have to play the chiefs twice and all that yeah see okay. playing chiefs twice and then um uh you're playing denver twice one of which is going to be in denver and you never know which denver team is going to show up but same applies to the raiders so to me the division is tough mm-hmm. and they haven't shown anything that makes you think that this is going to be a team for next year i mean they didn't show anything last year which told you that this is going to be a team for next year right right so yeah so looks like in that middle of the pack i think vikings at 28 to 1 and titans at 35 to 1 are kind of uh, appetizing um and then the last being a cardinals fans uh for the super bowl they are at 60 to 1 uh which is probably fair maybe they can be a little higher than that but they are in a tough division and it's you know kyler is still young i don't have a huge problem with that any comment with the super bowl odds for the cardinals no not for the super bowl odds but to me again you know there seems to be a very clear tier here you know you have the sub 18 to or sub 20 to 1 uh, uh, odds teams and then you have the middle of the pack which is between 25 and 50 then all of a sudden there is a drop off where you have like you know literally shit houses like the giants and the falcons and the lions <laughs> or even below and then the cardinals have been lumped with that and i feel that's where i see it as a big mistake right and how that reflects itself obviously from an odds point of view is it will obviously shock me to see the cardinals winning the super bowl it would not surprise me if they are in the running to win the nfc west and to see them at uh, what did what did you say they were yeah i was going to get to that too as part okay. of the, uh yeah they are uh, 12 to 1 yeah we could as well go there uh 
so some of the other interesting odds here are the divisional odds, right? And to your point, yeah. Ravi, they are 12 to 1 on the last uh, one for NFC West. Behind Niners, obviously, and then Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals. Yeah. So for the Cardinals to be, what is it? Uh, 12 to uh, 1. 12 to 1. So basically, the odds being four times that of the Rams to kind of win the NFC is makes zero sense to me. So that is actually a wager I would be more than inclined to, uh, you know. <laughs> the only challenge there is you can, I would be com- completely comfortable bumping them about the ramps, but then the division is tough with Seattle and the Niners on top. True. But but I was also surprised uh, that they are still the fourth in the list. But I guess you know, uh, odds makers have to also look at where the money will come from and how the betters are going to think about this, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not always what the odd makers are thinking is going to happen. It's more about what they think the people are going to bet on. Fair right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that sense, maybe the Rams still have a lot of hype, but I agree with you that they probably need to be uh, uh, you know, better than 12 to 1 for that division. Correct. Uh, the other couple of divisions I thought was interesting, Ravi, is obviously the NFC East with the whole Patriots uh, situation. They're still even odds to win it <laughs> with Buffalo right behind at uh, 7 is to 5. Uh, do you think Buffalo can pull it off? Can they win this division? I think so. Yeah, I think so because uh, you know, and it is it is as much to do with the fact that uh, Patriots are without Brady as it has to do with if you remember there was this stretch of about nine or ten games where the Bills were either uh, close to winning or they did end up winning each one of those games. So they were never out of those games, and it was very it was a very ugly style, right? I mean, they would win these thirteen to ten, seventeen to thirteen games. Mm. But it felt like they had a template and they were playing according to that. And uh, I must confess that from being a complete naysayer to begrudgingly becoming uh, uh, you know, a fan of uh, Josh Allen, it took me a while. But yeah. I know that he was your boy. But yeah. and again, not just from a fantasy perspective, but I felt that anytime they needed uh, someone to make a play, it, it invariably came to him because they didn't have a whole lot of talent last year. So right. I think that's a team which could surprise. In general, it could surprise a you know few teams, but especially I think for them to win the AFC East again would not be a total shock to me. Right? Yeah, I was on his uh, bandwagon start to finish last year. Really. Yes, as yes, far I as remember. Fantasy that. goes, <laughs> I had full confidence in him from a fantasy perspective. Uh, and this year, I'm expecting him to be a better NFL quarterback as well. Uh, you know, sometimes those two are different, right? Uh, this yes. year, I expect him to take another step forward as a, as far as being a good NFL quarterback goes. He takes he tends to take a lot of risk and stuff, which I which is fine for fantasy, but sometimes that's a killer in the NFL. Uh, but yes. I I I hope they. Uh, they you know do well this year and give us at least something to look forward to in the AFC East, right? Typically, there's nothing there except celebrating, uh, you know, Brady and Belichick. The other interesting one to me was also, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, this is the NFL. I guess everything is interesting. We could be talking about this for five <laughs> hours. But uh, the NFC South, obviously, uh, they are expecting a close one here, 10 to 11 for the Saints and 8 to 5 uh, odds for the Bucks. Uh, obviously, Saints are uh, favored right now. But there ex- looks like people are expecting an amazing chase there between the chase uh, between the Saints and the Buccaneers. Um, I'm on the Saints side on this one. I don't know where do you fall on this. Same, same with the Saints. Again, you cannot uh, count against uh, Breeze and the overall system that Peyton has, uh, along with the fact that I feel that particular division is uh, has has watered down considerably since the time that the Falcons have seen a steep decline since, again, going back to our earlier conversation, since they lost the Super Bowl, they've not been the same team. And the Panthers have obviously gone through all kinds of uh, uh, crap over the offseason. So I think the Saints have a fairly breezy way uh, through to winning that division. Oh, yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, Let's see what happens there. Um, That's all the thoughts I... Uh, I wanted to share and also the odds I wanted to cover. Anything you see that you want to uh, talk about, Ravi? You, on the NFL or otherwise? Yeah, yeah, the NFL. Odds. No, no. Uh, I think we've covered the, the the odds projections, I feel, pretty comprehensively. Okay, cool. Um, before we hang up, I, I wanted to bring up another topic, which is which may be even more of a breaking news for you since you've been busy all day uh, working. Essentially, uh, the NFL, did you see this? The NFL owners are trying to institute further uh, incentives for the Rooney role no, to hire. Okay. This. this is very interesting, and I wanted to discuss this a little bit. Uh, so what basically, this is not yet voted in, but what they're proposing is basically bumping you up higher on the third round picks in the draft as an incentive to hire mm. minority so, coaches and gm i think it's almost like six you get you get bumped six picks higher if you hire a minority coach 10 picks minority gm and 16 picks if you hire both a minority gm and a coach in a particular off season and uh, also some incentives I forget how many picks uh, of a bump that would be. But basically, if you don't fire coaches and GMs for two years, you get a bump for that as well. So basically, what they're trying to avoid is somebody just hiring and firing them next year and, you know, playing the game to just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your take on that? I'm a little bit torn on this. Uh, First, I think, as some people have said, on ESPN already, it's kind of sad that we need to resort to this to make yeah. NFL hire or minority coaches and uh, GM, while at the same time, it's a positive that they're trying to do something. But I feel like this is like, uh, you know, this kind of incentivizing to pick uh, a coach from minority communities is just uh, strange to me. It almost devalues uh, their talent in some ways, in the sense that it almost feels like teams will are doing this just for the picks. So I'm not a big fan of this. What do you? What is your yeah. uh, instant reaction? So instinctively, what I would say is, in addition to the reason you gave, and so I'm aligned with you on my overall 
feeling about this and it's due to the, one of the reasons was what you just said the other reason is it kind of i feel very unfairly penalizes say a minority uh, candidate who is getting hired for all the right reasons exactly you don't you don't want the you know the innuendo or the unsaid implication to be that uh, the reason for this outcome in favor of this particular candidate is because of the quote and quote rooney rule so therefore i agree with you i mean i think in some ways i look back at uh, how some of this quote this reservation uh, 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 you know right. method has been implemented even back home in india for various things and to me it this is no different from it that ultimately the selection should consist of a fair and standardized template which should be the same across the board of all candidates uh, this kind of just puts almost an unfair weightage to Uh, a reasoning uh, to to a parameter which has no bearing on the consequence like whether what color you are should not affect how you can coach or how you can gm exactly and that is now tied to uh, getting better picks which is really uh, uh, you know that was a big news for me at least I, i was a big fan of the rooney rule when it came in but i guess it has not worked as well lately as they would have expected so they want to try something else anyways i'm sure we will talk about this more especially if it's gets watered in um, absolutely absolutely uh, anything else you want to hit before we uh, hang up yeah just one quick thing uh, which is uh, we have made it uh, a practice during this lockdown for every episode that we do we do spend a few minutes on the last dance so oh yeah any any thoughts on episodes 7 and 8 Oh sorry I I forgot about it because it's we are at the almost uh, you know there for the la- next two episodes I oh, really loved 7 and 8 uh, Me too me too those were my best uh, two episodes of the of the season so far Right and and uh, that part where uh, Jordan uh, breaks down just talking about his competitiveness and fire is just uh, it was just amazing to me and a lot of people said they should have just ended the documentary right there and i kind of tend to agree i don't know how they are going to one up that uh, you know that ending of that episode but i really loved 7 and 8 uh, and i think that this 7 and 8 to me pretty much clinches the whole yes goat right goat argument against lebron and all that and i also saw not that there was really any argument in your and my mind ravi but i also saw all these guys like trey young and donovan mitchell uh, just tweeting that this guy is just different that's it we don't have to say anything else mj is just different yeah and and you're exactly right and i think something absolutely illogical but something that made a lot of sense to me was brought up by Simmons Bill Simmons on one of his podcasts in discussing the last dance where he said hey you know what are we sure mj is human <laughs> he seems to have this weird gene whether it's his ultra competitiveness or this you know ca- ca- you know just just absolute disregard for comp- for 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 his rivals mm-hmm. uh, and this super natural sense of i don't care what the environment is what the score is i'm going to win i feel at some point in one's career there has to be pressure there has to be nervousness there and there has to be result coming out of that fear and nervousness uh, and that just doesn't seem to have been the case with jordan so that to me uh, episode 7 uh, and 8 uh, i agree with you clinched it wherein let's just forget about 
skill and talent and rings and uh, scoring stats or anything else let's just go purely on this uh, super freakish uh, mind of this man who doesn't even perform like a nat- normal human being so let's just treat that exactly. as the reason why he was way ahead of anyone else you you are absolutely right because that matters right see you, we have all heard these uh, inspirational self help quotes like you know how they say you know life is 1% uh, perspiration and 99% inspiration and things like that you know what i'm talking about where they talk about how it's Indeed. not your talent and what you do it's also your hard work and just the intangibles right your fire your drive we all know that uh but i think i feel like sometimes we are too caught up in comparing just talent levels and we forget that so this guy's intangibles is what sets him apart right not that he was not talented obviously elite talent but is is intangibles are just off the charts and that combination is something we have never seen and frankly we may never see again right kobe tried to mimic it as closely as he can but he couldn't get there so you know can i just say something there which yeah. is, you you really hit the nail on its head which is i think it has also become very easy and fashionable for people especially the new generation and just as an aside every episode of the last dance ends with me and my 14 year old having a major fight like oh, it was really? one of those you know, <laughs> one of those uh, nice little teases between father and son there's like major fight between my son siddharth and me about this whole stupid lebron versus jordan thing and mm-hmm. to me it has become almost fashionable for people to elevate lebron to almost jordan status to right. me the closest parallel is kobe with not only in terms of his stats and his record book but also with his mindset he seems to have brought that i won't take off even a second during a game irrespective of whether it's been True. played in june versus november Whereas True. LeBron, let's be honest, has kind of given yes. up on entire series. You are absolutely right, but I'll tell you, uh, uh, you know, I, with having said all this about MJ's goatness and greatness, I will tell you why LeBron is in the conversation. Right? Okay. I do think he is the best basketball player. Come, hmm. okay. basketball player. That is why I am focusing so much on these intangibles. in these intangibles is what to me makes uh, jordan the goat right as purely as a complete basketball skill set again that is not the whole story we agree on that i think that is lebron even more so than jordan ravi hmm. because okay. he's got that athleticism he's got better size he he passes better he's better rebounder but again it's kind of like to give you a very exaggerated example of this you remember this guy derek coleman yes of course you, you could make an argument he was a more talented player than barkley yeah but there is no comparison as far as who was a better nba legend right yeah, now i'm yeah. i'm not saying lebron is derek coleman but it's kind of like that right i do think his talent wise his completeness wise is a better player than kobe and probably even more skilled than mj mm-hmm. right yeah. but the attitude is, and the drive and the just all those intangibles puts jordan on top and you are right on those parameters kobe is probably the closest 
Yes, and no, and I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And and I and I I couldn't uh, disagree with you on that. Uh, having said that, again, just yesterday I was looking uh, or I was watching uh, Scotty Pippen talk on the jump about how even in that regard, uh, LeBron is not a patch on Jordan because he said Jordan was never asked to play playmaker. He was asked to be the scorer, and he, that is Pippen, was the one that was doing the quote unquote LeBron job. Uh, so if Jordan you're right, asked... you're right. Actually, actually even Bill Simmons says that right not to interrupt you but basically he says he Jordan might have been a very underrated passer actually passer, yeah yeah so that's not true I mean we are talking about really really top of the line players in both indeed, of them, indeed. right yeah. but I do think uh, LeBron's skill set may be a little bit more complete and then the longevity comes into play too as he keeps pushing this pass 18 and 19 and 20 years it's like the old tom brady thing right yeah yeah he's now entering a time of his career which we have never really seen anybody do like 18 19 years so those are the arguments for him and i always maintain this ravi the funny thing was more than lebron's wins in the finals it's actually his losses which have made him kind of the goat. And I'll tell you why. Because people give him a lot of credit for taking the Cleveland team in 2007, mm-hmm. which, which got swept by San Antonio. And then the 2015, where he stretched the Warriors to six games with just Matthew Delavadova and those guys, right? True, true. And then true. the 2018, when he actually took that team to the finals, where after uh, you know, Kyrie threw his tantrums and moved to Boston. Ironically, it is these losing seasons that have embellished his resume more than winning with Wade and Bosch. Uh, that's a super team, right? He doesn't get a lot of credit for that. Right. In fact, he gets blamed for losing two of those four years. Similarly, the 2016 is amazing, but then again, you know, there was the whole you know, Draymond suspension and all of that. So I always felt it's ironic that it's those losing years of 7, 2007, 2015 and 18 that have been his best work so far, which which is something very fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a very uh, uh, astute uh, observation. And I didn't, frankly, again, I didn't see it in, in that regard. And you know what? That makes that gives a different spin to LeBron's greatness for sure. Yes, yes. Anyways, uh, anything else? No, that's about covers it all. Okay. Hope to uh, talk to everybody again soon. Hopefully, we'll get to talk about the last two episodes of Last Dance, and uh, stay safe, Ravi, and listeners as well. Absolutely. Uh, same to you, Arvind, and to all of uh, our listeners.